Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Crypto Hipsters Podcast, where I interview founders and co-founders, entrepreneurs and artists, executives and stay-at-home hipsters in crypto and blockchain around the world. And I have an amazing podcast for you today. Let's get to it. And today I have a very special guest. His name is Jamie Finn, and he is the co-founder and the president of Securitize.io. Jamie, welcome to the show today. Thanks. Really happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. It's great to have you. Um, I ask you first, uh, what is your what is your background and how is it uh, related to what you're doing now? <laughs> my background is very varied. Um, I would describe myself as always having been in the sales um, uh, role, regardless of where I've been. But I started my career in uh, streaming video very, very early on on mobile phones. And from there, worked in digital music and rolled out some of the first uh, streaming services of the legal kind, uh, actually across Europe, uh, working with a company there called uh, O2. Uh, and then uh, from there, I worked for a large telco, um, ended up running global sales for one of their divisions. And um, once you get into telco, it's really tough to get out. So I spent about 10 years in telecom uh, working. I was actually living in the UK, uh, working for O2 in the UK eventually. And uh, from there, I, I moved uh, to uh, California, where I am now. Uh, I'm originally uh, from Puerto Rico born to an Irish mother in Puerto Rico, as is common. And uh, and yeah, essentially um, moving to California, got involved in a variety of ad tech businesses, worked in big data. And then um, in my ad tech, my second startup in ad tech uh, here in California, I fell down the crypto hole in 2017 um, when I discovered this concept of ICOs and making a thousand X in five seconds, which was super appealing. Uh, but too good to be true. And as I fell down that rabbit hole, I came out founding a company in the space with uh, Carlos Domingo, my co-founder. Great. So your company is Securitize.io. Uh, could you uh, tell us a little bit about what your company does? Yeah. So in essence, uh, we are working in the private security space. So not public shares, but private. And we help companies uh, do a number of different things, everything from raising capital, which is a very popular thing, all the way through to providing a, a regulated uh, venue for trading of these types of private securities. So you could think of us as um, like a NASDAQ for private securities, uh, and we do everything in between for, for these securities. We help companies raise money. Uh, we help companies um, issue securities. And and we help uh, companies build liquidity around their securities. And we have all the licenses to operate here in the US. Uh, in the US, we are what's known as a transfer agent. So we do cap table management and things like that. Um, we are also a broker dealer uh, and, and uh, uh, what's known as an ATS, uh, alternative trading system, which is where we trade these securities. And the most powerful thing about all, all the thing that we do is it's actually done all using blockchain technologies to underpin everything. And we find that just simply to be much more efficient 
and much easier than having thousands and thousands of people manually processing transactions, which is how most private securities are traded today. Excellent. I, uh, I want to get into um, transfer agency because that's the first time I've heard transfer agency spoken about in the crypto space. So what, how does, what is transfer agency and how does it work? Yeah, so we were actually the first uh, transfer agent that was registered with the SEC and processed any um, transactions using the blockchain. So what a transfer agent does is they keep track of who owns the shares or the tokens or the securities, whichever term you prefer to use, um, of uh, each issuance, so each kind of stock, if you will. And so let's say uh, a transfer agent's job is essentially is to know who owns what shares, how many, and to process any transfers. So if you want to trade your securities with somebody else, they're responsible for keeping the data up to date. And then if you want to do something like a dividend distribution or a share buyback or some sort of voting, you know, governance is obviously quite popular these days. Um, so it's kind of what transfer agents manage. And, uh, you know, it's something that's been around for a very, very long time. Uh, it's part of all public securities. And we find that you know, with private securities, while it's not required, it's a really, really good idea. Because especially if you're dealing with thousands of shareholders, it's very difficult to keep everything up to date. And to have somebody focused on that's really useful. Excellent. So um, you have you are you are registered with the SEC. And yep. recently, my last few podcasts, I've had people come up with ideas for mass adoption of crypto. And, and blockchain, and some people are saying uh, that um, that it's an e we need an SEC approved ETF. Some people say we need SEC just to get out of the way entirely. Uh, and you're doing transfer agency with products and services that move the space forward. So, in your opinion, what is the best way for us to be able to move the industry forward uh, in compliance with regulation? Yeah, and I, I think there's there's two parts to that. One is the words that we use and what they mean. Um, you know, the one of the things that the SEC doesn't do is it doesn't actually approve things. Um, that's one of the misnomers in the space. And I can tell you that they don't like it when we say that word. <laughs> so we should try and stay away from it. Um, but no, I look, I think you have to understand the regulator here in the US is here to protect investors. And they provide a number of vehicles that are actually pretty useful um, for folks who want to... Uh, you know, create tokens or, you know, different types of, of assets on a blockchain, there's just regulations around it and you have to kind of follow a process. So, you know, for example, probably the most useful one, if you wanted to look at like a real hardcore kind of crypto approach, um, which would allow for retail investors. So everybody in the world can invest in the deal, which is what seems to be most customers dream um, is to let retail investors invest in their deal um, and have no limits in terms of how much money or how many people can be in the deal. Um, then the, the perfect option is really something that's called uh, Reg A plus. So Reg A plus is a, something that was created around the Jobs Act here in the US. Um, it allows you to raise up to $75 million per year um, from retail investors. There's no limit on the amount of investors you can have in a deal. Um, and so it's actually a really useful vehicle. Uh, it allows for everything you could do in an ICO, uh, but you have to do additional disclosures. You have to share financial information and you have to fill uh, you know, submit documentation to the SEC for them to review. Um, and they're going to go through a process. And if they 
uh, feel that it's adequate, then they'll permit you to take that product to market and sell it to retail investors. Now you will notice I did not say approve because they don't do that. Mm. SEC does not approve offerings. That's not their thing. Um, so it's it's a uh, it's you know it's a perfect format. It takes a little bit of time. Um, you know most companies don't need seventy five million dollars, and since you can raise seventy five million a year, it shouldn't be an issue. Um, from a liquidity point of view, it's perfect because it allows for an unlimited amount of investors. You can trade tiny amounts. Then you come up against the real problem, though. The real problem, and I've uh, talked about this on Twitter frequently, is it's not practical to use a blockchain like Ethereum to trade any securities. In fact, it's not practical to pretty much do anything on anymore because gas fees have gotten so insane. You know, my, my, I tried to teach my son a little bit about crypto, so I got him a Coinbase wallet on an old smartphone I had laying around, and I was paying his, um, what do you call it, uh, allowance into this Coinbase wallet. He now has $100 in his Coinbase wallet that he cannot withdraw because he doesn't have enough gas to withdraw it. And let me give you an idea. I, I put the picture up on Twitter recently, and uh, it, he needed to send me $43 because he has this old camera and he had to buy a charger for it, and it cost $43. So he had to send me $43. He had it in his wallet. He's like, I'll send it to you. It cost $45 in Ethereum gas fees to send it. And that just doesn't work. And so, you know, to me, the Ethereum blockchain is sort of a, it's a relic at this point. Um, and it, it will take time for people to realize it, but uh, it's not practical for actual use because it doesn't have the horsepower. Everyone's caught up in this London kind of upgrade. Uh, Berlin yeah, didn't really do much except like, I mean, it was great for the miners. Now they make more money. <laughs> well, if it's not Ethereum, what do you think? Um, well, it's no secret we're big fans of um, Algorand because of the, the processing times and the transactions and the speeds are really, really high quality and really good. With their new release coming out, you know, around uh, native assets, uh, digital assets, it's perfect for what we do. I'm not saying it's perfect for everything, but it's really, really good for that. It's good for NFTs. Um, and then the other one we really like, so it's kind of a trade-off, right? So Algorand is like a whole new ecosystem, really cool, really fast, new wallets, new everything. And then you have another one. Um, in Avalanche, and Avalanche is a new blockchain, but gives you a lot of the benefits of Ethereum and the same infrastructure, uh, and it works the same way. So you don't have to re-engineer everything. And they have a bridge um, with Ethereum, which is great. So we think those are two really promising ones. Those are the two additional blockchain, public blockchains we support. We we do Quorum in-house. We do Hyperledger Bezu as well. Um, and our customers can select what they want. Increasingly, they select you know Algorand or Avalanche. They're not really going with ethereum because it's just not practical um it's a shame because all the infrastructure is there and it takes a long time to get this infrastructure out there but uh, unfortunately it just doesn't look like it's going to be workable long term right so it's interesting you say that because um i read some of your documentation and somewhere along those lines there was a comment saying that 2021 is the year of the token um so i wanted to get your your thoughts on what that means um, especially since we're coming out of, you know, being, you know, quarantined or, or some places in the country with COVID-19 and all that. And so how's, how's the year of the token playing? Well, so what we've seen is that, uh, like when I started in this business three years ago, the token in like 2018 was a total poison pill. Nobody in finance would take you serious with that. It was a scam. They hated it. 2019, Maybe a couple things got interesting. It almost happened and it really didn't move. 
2020 is when we had a ton of momentum going into it with large financial institutions and everybody's like, yeah, we're going to do this. But then with COVID, it kind of slowed down and fell on its face. Now, 2021 token is no longer a bad word. You know, I think people are realizing that um, this is we're talking about a format. And that's one of the things that is so fundamental is, you know, folks are like, oh, it's a whole new thing. It's like, no, it's a different format. You know, and, and again, coming from music, I always think about it in this context. You can listen to a song on a record, on an LP vinyl. You can listen to it on a CD. You can listen to it on an MP3. You can listen to it on a streaming service. It's all the same song on different formats. A token is another format, and it is a future format, uh, without a doubt. We're definitely not going to be dealing in more paper. And so, you know, people are realizing that, um, coming around to it, warming to the idea, and since there has been no real regulatory drama around digital securities and what we do, um, you know, particularly since we're licensed in kind of every which we're licensed and regulated in every way you can be in the U.S. without any drama around it. Uh, you know, I think large institutions and traditional investors are all kind of coming to terms with it. Great. And then the application of uh, the token and the application of, you know, moving into different industries. Uh, you do ha have done some work with the NBA, uh, yeah. with Spencer Dinwiddie, and um, yeah. some other types of products that are not necessarily securities or private sales. What are some of those, and um, you know, uh, how can how do you think they can exp be expanded upon? Yeah, so <clears throat> we've done a, a number of different types of. We've worked with issuers to do a number of types of assets. So we've worked on real estate deals like the St. Regis in Aspen, Colorado, uh, which is tokenized on the Ethereum blockchain and now trades on T zero. Um, so you can go and you can buy a share or a token uh, to represent your ownership uh, in the St. Regis and Aspen, which is pre-COVID was a good asset. Uh, I don't know about it today, but I imagine they're struggling a bit. Um, you can buy a token in a venture fund. So let's talk about venture funds. We have a customer who's also our lead investor, full disclosure, named Blockchain Capital. Blockchain Capital, obviously, we feel is the best venture fund in the space. But their returns also say that they're the best venture fund in the space. So if you had bought one of their tokens for a dollar in their STO, you would have uh, a minimum of $17 now. Their fund went from you know, $10 million worth of initial investment to $170 million. They, and you would have gotten a payout from the Coinbase IPO and a few other IPOs that are coming down the line. And that's, you know, in a few, that's basically three years uh, in on that fund. So that fund is, you know, soaring and a really good asset that normal investors can't buy and you know you can buy into the best fund in the blockchain space for 17 dollars. that's pretty wild uh you know similarly spice vc um, which is how we were born um and i am an investor in that one because i put my money where my mouth is and that's how i got involved is i basically funded the it was a seed investor in it and so um that's another great example. They're, they're an investor in Securitize. They hold a significant position, but they also have positions in BACT and a few other, and INX. Both of those have liquidity events this year. You can buy shares in Spice for $1.53. So, you know, the, the opportunities are out there um, to own venture capital funds, hedge funds, real estate, um, all sorts of alternative assets that you normally couldn't buy. And they're available to both, um, you know, accredited and retail investors, depending on your country you know, qualified and non-qualified. So the, all these things are out there. The, the, the trouble we have, practically speaking, is it's an education process and we have to kind of work with folks on it to make sure that they know that they're there, they know they can trade them, 
And uh, one of the things that we've worked really hard on is taking the pain out of investing and reducing the friction. So we have a product uh, that's called Securitize ID. Um, it's id.securitize.io. You can sign up. It's totally free for investors. And we have 200,000 plus people who have these accounts. And that means that they're already KYC'd and they can invest in a deal or they can log into our trading platform and trade these securities without having to go through any more brain damage or filling out any more forms. Everything just works seamlessly. We think that that is a really powerful incentive um, to create the marketplaces that everybody really wants, including the investors, because you get killer returns on these things. I want to ask about marketplaces. Um, I cover, oh, I say that I cover the globe, right? So I've had, you know, um, founders on from many European countries so far and from Taiwan, Hong Kong, China. Um, I haven't had any founders on from Japan yet. So I'm trying to get a lay of the land there. And I know you guys are huge. Um, so I wanted to get a lay of the land in Japan, how you see it. Sure. No problem. Yeah, we're big in Japan. Um, <laughs> so Japan's a really interesting market. Um, it's a market where uh, large companies work together to change regulations and make it so that they can affect things in, in, in ways that they all agree are relevant. It's a unique kind of consensus approach that they take. Um, we entered Japan through an acquisition of a company called Biddle um, in uh, 28, late 2018, December 26th. They don't celebrate Christmas in Japan, just FYI. I didn't know that. So we closed uh, December 26th. And uh, when we acquired them, sorry, it's actually 26, 2019, not 2018. Uh, so when we acquired them, it was a few folks and we were working on a variety of consulting projects. We um, then uh, started working with some large financial institutions there and the regulator working with uh, the uh, Japan Security Token Association and um, another organization there in order to kind of educate and teach people about what was going on. Now, flash forward to uh, 2021, we just completed our, our third issuance there, uh, the first uh, credit rated security token ever, uh, working with a bank that you probably haven't heard of, but is the largest bank in Japan called Sumitomo Mitsui Trust Bank. And now think about the words I just said. A bank issued a credit rated token. Just think about that. So, you know, Japan is a is is a, a forward thinking market. They understand uh, formats. They understand the opportunities that this creates. And there's a need there um, to access uh, investment vehicles that are in alternative formats because they just don't have, um, you know, all the right uh, tools in the traditional world. So, you know, th that's what's going on there. Um, there's a ton of institutional adoption. We have a number of very large Japanese investors that are working with us on deals. Uh, we've worked with Mitsui Fudosan, which is a very large real estate developer there on an issuance. Um, and there's a number of marketplaces coming online. Uh, we have SBI uh, as an investor. They have a marketplace that's coming online to trade securities in Japan. Japan, they're called PTS instead of ATS, just for what it's worth. Um, so, you know, we have a team of about 10 people there uh, who have done an amazing job to kind of educate and grow the space. Our uh, country manager, uh, uh, Kobayashi-san, has been fantastic and instrumental coming from American Express. And, you know, really, we have an extremely local team. Like, it's extremely Japanese. And also, one of our secret weapons is Carlos Domingo, my co-founder, speaks Japanese fluently and spent 10 years there. So that also helps. <laughs> so 
I thought about those words you you just said, a bank yeah. issuing mm-hmm. tokens. What do you think of the global ramifications or global consequences, not say consequences, but what are the global ramifications of of that? What do you think? Well, so, I mean, it, it's it's the question that, that we've been getting when institutions get into the space and, you know, what is it that's going to tip the, you know, when's this whole, like, tidal wave going to happen? And, I, you know, I think uh, it happens uh, slowly and then all of a sudden. And so I think that's why we, you know, kind of say that uh, that 2021 is the year of the token because it, I believe, is going to happen all of a sudden. People are going to realize it. They're going to become unencumbered by the uh, regulatory f- kind of concerns and fears, and they'll see other folks doing it, and it, it will then happen all of a sudden. So the, the ramifications are clear. You're going to have... Um, a ton of these new assets out there that are in this new format. And once you have a bunch of stuff in a new format, there will be innovation that will happen. Um, somebody created the iPod uh, after the MP3 was created. And then suddenly someone was like, hey, you know what? It'd be pretty cool to sell music through that. Okay, great. You know what? Actually, I don't want all that music on my phone. Let's stream it. And so you let people build uh, new products and services around innovations. And that's what we're all about. Um, you know. Carlos and I both have innovation backgrounds, building out you know huge businesses in that space. So, you know, we're totally embracing that and supportive of it, and trying to drive an ecosystem. Somebody said a comment to me the other day, and I forget who it was, but they said the regulators must be innovators, and the innovators must also be regulators. I don't really know what that means. What do you what do you think that that means? I mean, uh, I can tell you what it means. So I've I've dealt personally with the regulators here in the US. I've dealt with the regulators throughout Latin America. I had the opportunity to present to all of them, including the Spanish regulator uh, right before COVID. And you know what I would say is there's a ton of interest in this um, space, and but there, there's a ton of risk. And so when we say that, it's, it's like you have to understand the regulatory environment that you're operating in to know what you can and can't do and where you should push and where you shouldn't push. Um, you know, there's a number of instances where it's like, oh, well, you know, I looked on Google and I heard you can do this because the letter of the law is this. Regulations don't work that way. Regulations, you know, are a lot less um, letter and interpreted to the word. They're about if it walks like a duck and it talks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And that's how this works. It's not, oh, well, I read it and I came up with this cute little workaround and therefore it's not a problem. And you're like, no, that's not true. And worse yet, if you're wrong, what happens? And that's the dangerous thing in this space we get all the time. You know, we want to do everything on DeFi. We want it to happen. We want, you know, balancer and Uniswap security tokens and liquidity and automated market making. Totally, I want that. But I'm not going to do that today. And I'm not going to do that without spending a lot of time with our regulators, talking to them about it and figuring out what's the right way to do it that protects investors and gives the benefit to them that is correct. You know, the frequently you're like, oh, well, you should be able to do automated market making. What's the problem? It's like, well, um, how do I KYC a smart contract? Because I can't trade in securities with anonymous people. So how do I KYC a smart contract? You can't. How does a smart contract custody a security? It can't, it's illegal. And so, you know, I get in these kind of conversations with people and it's like, man, I want that too. 
but like let us work to do it together and it's it's really not that far i'm sure in 18 months this conversation will be totally irrelevant and there'll be all sorts of amm and that's the speed of the regulator it takes a few years right i'm hoping that it's not irrelevant because what i saw on twitter recently um is two of the projects where i'm invested in heavily said our tokens not needed and i was like whoa 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 i don't want to hear that no you don't want to hear that you know um so that's that's always a that's always a concern um do you think that they they are they are needed or there are cases where they're not um i think it depends on the age of the project to be honest i think a lot of things in 2017 and early 2018 had tokens for no apparent reason um i think that there are definitely situations where they make sense um there's other ones where it's like you know you you are pre -pur so the thing that i always struggle with is pre-purchasing services right that doesn't resonate with me normally i buy services after i use them or you know i'll buy maybe a month up in advance i'm not gonna buy a ton of credits to so just sit on them although with ethereum you should have probably done that and if you didn't it's probably too late um but nonetheless uh you know that never made any sense to me it's not how software works there's two things about crypto economics that don't make any sense to me i studied economics um one of them is at a unit cost things get more expensive the more they're used in crypto okay so um, the more people that use the ethereum blockchain the more it costs to use the ethereum blockchain that doesn't make sense and a per unit basis like every transaction just gets more and more expensive and i've had the debate with people it's like no you don't understand they're decoupled no one has been able to prove to me through number of uh debates and if you look at the correlation it's so tight like ethereum goes up gas fees go up cost of processing transaction goes up and that's it and that that's not a scalable system uh, by nature. It defines something that isn't scalable. You know, most things like Amazon, AWS, the more you use it, the less it costs per unit. And, right. and that's the right way to do it because it encourages usage. Crypto economic models are backwards. I, I, would, I, would, I would agree on some. I would agree on some, especially Doge. <laughs> well, cheap to um, use. <laughs> right, right, it is yeah. true. Um, so I have one last question for you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much for coming on the, um, the show today. Um, I've enjoyed our conversation and I appreciate it greatly. And uh, my, la my last question is, um, how can people find out more information about uh, you, about Securitize? How can they uh, use the services of, of your company? Sure. Um, so you can visit uh, securitize.io. Um, you From there, you can link into our different operating businesses like our Securitize Markets, which is our ATS for trading securities. You can create a securitized ID um, at id.securitize.io. It's all kind of based around that URL. We're on Twitter at Securitize. Um, we actually have at Securitize on Twitter, which I'm really proud of. Um, and we're, you know, we're pretty available. I'm on Telegram too in our channel, uh, Securitize, and you can talk directly to me there. I run the channel. We have no external admins. It's talking to me. People are often surprised by that, but. I talk to all of our customers and I really care deeply about our business. So, you know, I'm happy to, to have dialogues with folks. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News